my friends, this is Dick Both. One more time with stories from the road. What's your favorite day of the year? Your favorite day? You say, well, based on what? Well, and I know, favorites can have various uh, bases for why we call them favorites. So probably my favorite family day might be Thanksgiving or Christmas. My favorite spiritual day in the sense of excitement and hope and foreverness, I, I think I just made that word up, it'd be Easter. But just in terms of the day, it, it was this last week, that June 21st day, the start of summer, the official start of summer, longest day of the year, summer solstice, I think is what they call it uh, historically. And I like it because it's day. I like light better than nighttime. I just do. And there's something about love, the actual act of loving or being loved, that connects with light, that brings light and clarity and perspective. We need people in our lives, don't we, who show us what love really looks like. And when we meet those kind of people, I think for the most part, we want to be like them. We've been working our way slowly, quite slowly, through 1 Corinthians 13, at least those first few verses. And I want to circle back to that in in this podcast. Here's the Apostle Paul writing to this party town in Greece called Corinth, where they got all kinds of things that aren't loving going on. And he's writing to the people who are Jesus followers there. And he he wants to give it some perspective. And this is what he says, starting in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 13. If I give everything I own to the poor, that's a good deal. That's both paraphrase right there. And even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, that's big time. But I don't love. I've gotten nowhere. Now, I'm reading the paraphrase from Eugene Peterson, The Message, putting it in modern language. So... No matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. And he goes on to explain it this way. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle. And here's the part I want to focus on in this podcast. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. We spoke to that a few weeks ago. Doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trust God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Let's come back to that verse six part that says, doesn't keep score of the sins of others and elaborates by saying, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. The the actual language there where it says it, it doesn't revel when others grovel, his paraphrase, the actual language is, love does not rejoice uh, at unrighteousness or in wrong actions for whatever reasons whether those are, that would be from the pleasure in calling people out or to show superiority. Love does not do that. 
It doesn't cheer when other people flail or fall, make fun of it, whatever it is, but rejoices greatly with the truth. What's interesting is that Paul uses the same root word in both of those verbs. Love does not rejoice when things go wrong or at wrong actions, but rejoices greatly. It's a compound word. He, he doubles down on rejoicing with the truth or with rightness. C.K. Barrett in a, in a commentary head says it this way, love does not seek to make itself distinctive by tracking down and pointing out what's wrong but gladly sinks its own identity to rejoice with others at what is right. You know, I don't have to look very far in my own story to see times when I pointed out what was wrong or, or, or made a wrong point in a wrong moment even. It's easy to do that, especially to see it in others. Much more challenging, isn't it, to see it in ourselves? Sometime back, this is years ago now. Oh, it's got to be almost 60 years, 55 years. I was mentored by a friend named Richard. And uh, he was my senior by some 20 years very generous, very merciful, very visionary, and it really, uh, it really helped me in my early days, in my early 20s, mid-20s. Uh, down the road, he sort of got carried away with some things, and he ended up losing his position, which was a big one, and ultimately ended up spending some time in prison. But there was one, uh, I felt bad when we saw that he was going to lose his position, so I called two or three other friends across the country, and we flew in to be with him. And it was at a time where, on the national news, he was kind of the center of attention. And that evening, late into the evening, we sat up and talked. And at one point, uh, he said, you know, there may be a book in this. There, in, in all this struggle and stress, some of which I think he would say that he brought upon himself, maybe all of it. And, uh, and he asked the others of us, what do you think about that? And, and I'm, the, I'm the follower, right? I'm, I'm sort of the disciple of this person over the years. And I just said, I, you know, I don't think that's a good idea. I think this and that and the other thing. And, so, and I felt sort of really compelled to say that. And I said more than that, which was probably the problem. But anyway, we got done and we left after some hours. And on the way back to the hotel with the with the other two friends, one of whom was had a doctorate in psychology and taught these things at university level and was a very wise person. And at one point I turned to him and I said, John, don't you think it was important for our friend to hear that thing that I said? And he looked at me and grinned and said, I don't know how important it was, Dick, that our friend hear that, but it was clear that you desperately needed to say it. <laughs> I've never forgotten that. I don't know if it was important that he hear it, but it was clear that you desperately needed to say it 
Sometimes in our attempt to help, and I'm putting that in quotes, what we really do is criticize. Timing is everything, intent is everything, but sometimes it can come off as uh, rejoicing, if we're not careful, at somebody else's struggle or wrong action. And I think to some degree, it kicks in a feeling of superiority if we're not careful. Anyway, as you can tell, I'm rambling and just thinking on that. Love looks for the good in others and cheers it on. To use verse 6 language from 1 Corinthians 13, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, and takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. I will catch you next time, and I will actually be on the road, and I'll let you know where that is when we do the next podcast. God bless. Dick Foth signing off. Catch you later. Bye-bye.